Welcome, everyone, to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me tonight is Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, safely, I'm hoping, because uh, Hurricane Ida is bearing down on Louisiana tonight, uh, probably as we speak. I don't know the exact location of the, you know, the eye of the storm. Uh, it, it could be still yet to make sure, but I don't know. You look at the map, and it looks like there's a, a big... ASS hurricane on top of Louisiana. So I hope you guys are safe, but I appreciate you uh, both joining us tonight, even though, you know, there's like a, you know, like another once in a hundred year storm basically upon Louisiana. So I don't know, guys, tell me, how are you doing right now? Where are you? Well, it's good to be here with you, Scott. It's good to be uh, in the you know clear and not in the path of a storm right now because I yeah. left Baton Rouge. Daniel left Baton Rouge too, so we're safe uh, and you know kind of a way of the destruction. But seeing that video, I've seen all the videos. It's it's really bad. I mean, I, I hate to see it. Yeah, uh, relocated to North Louisiana. Thankfully, out of Baton Rouge. I think as we're podcasting, the eye of the storm is right over home of Louisiana, where I lived last year. So um, I hope everything is going well for any listeners down there. Be safe. Uh, it looks like the storm's gonna gonna dodge Baton Rouge just a little bit. So um, the Tiger faithful at home there should be mostly good to go. Uh, New Orleans is gonna get it bad though, and is currently getting it bad right now. Uh, but we'll see how the the aftermath of that affects uh, the state as well as the sports, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, glad to be talking some with here with y'all and hopefully this provides a little bit of happiness to some people. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I mean, but uh, just, just to put it out there, uh, I believe LSU football, I don't know about the rest of the athletic department cause I didn't see anything, but LSU football has been relocated to Houston and is presumably safe. Uh, Gail Benson flew all of the saints and their administrative staff and, you know, whatever family members wanted to leave, they flew them out uh, I think they flew him to, I don't know if it was Houston, uh, somewhere in Texas, you know, just to be safe. It was somewhere in Texas. So they're, they're safe as well. Very, uh, very classy move by, by the Bensons, I think for that. Uh, but yeah, everyone else, hopefully you're hunkered down, you've moved on or you, you know, you're just like, you know, this is my umpteenth hurricane. I'm okay, but you got the provisions to keep you out and God bless the Cajun, Cajun Navy if they have to venture out and save some people. But, um, we're here to talk about, uh, you know, LSU's football, sports in general. So uh, let's do that. And I guess we could uh, we could focus our interest on, you know, the, it being game one of the season. LSU's going to face UCLA, but it won't be UCLA's first game because they played yesterday, actually, pretty early <laughs> by, by their and Hawaii standards. Uh, but, uh, you know, UCLA pretty much ran away with it they they pretty much had it in the bag before halftime I think but I don't know uh, it'd be interesting to get you guys' takes on you know what you saw I, I don't know if you were able to watch it I watched some highlights I saw some of the box scores but uh I don't know um it's you would think it would be an advantage for you so late to have some game experience but if you watched some of it I don't know uh is that really valuable experience that they had I I don't know I don't know if that prepared them for LSU. I don't know if that's – even if, you know, Hawaii was a really good team, I don't know if that would prepare them for LSU because, uh, you know, they have a senior quarterback and it, his his numbers were not 
mesmerizing, so to say. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a really good running back, which you know we can get into. But uh, I don't know. We'll start with you, Tommy. Uh, did you see anything from the UCLA game that makes you think, whoa, um, maybe I hope we don't take these guys lightly because <laughs> they look amazing? Or is it more of, well, I just hope we don't take them lightly because of, you know, if the team watched this, the game or the highlights or whatever, and then they just go, oh, these guys are easy. And then they just, they show up, you know, underprepared, like, you know, LSU can downplay to their opponents sometimes. So uh, where, you know, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I watched the whole thing. Um, I was I was not, imp like, not overly impressed, especially on the offensive side of the ball with UCLA. Um, I thought their quarterback, who's kind of like their star player, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, they call him DTR. I thought he was kind of um, uninspiring. I mean, the first drive, so Hawaii comes out, they get the ball first, UCLA stops them, and uh, – and they and UCLA ends up with the ball and like they're on Hawaii's 15 because their punter like kneeled like at, his knee hit the ground when he caught when he caught like a low snap. Uh -huh. So UCLA is like in perfect position to score. And did, did, did you watch this too? Did you see where yeah, and then and they could overthrows the tight end right? Yeah, it's like, wide open. He, he this tight end is wide open like dancing in the end zone. He overthrows it by like six yards. It was like it was really bad. <laughs> And I mean, I think that's kind of like a tale of the stat sheet too. You know, he's 10 for 20, 10 for 20 with 130, 130 yards and one touchdown. Um, I mean, I don't, and he, he had 16 yards rushing. So that's kind of the, uh, and, and, you know, they were saying, oh, he's the big dual threat. Like that's kind of the thing to watch out for. He's their X factor. I, I really think that, uh, I mean, Hawaii, I, I was not impressed with, with UCLA's offensive line at all. I felt like Hawaii was kind of up and was kind of up in uh, Dorian Thompson's, you know, face all game and kind of put a lot of pressure on him. I, so again, we talked about this before and I think even more so after watching UCLA play, our defensive line is going to be a huge benefit for us going into this game. I think that we're going to be able to put a ton of pressure on him and with the amount of, uh, with the amount of depth that we have at that position, we're going to be fresh all game. So I, I think that's going to be something that, that to watch for, I'm not as worried about their rushing attack just because that's something that we've always been able to, we're able to defend, you know, like um, I think we had a little bit of trouble with it last year, but traditionally, you know, if it's a, if it's a well-coached LSU, LSU defense in the sec, we should be fine, you know, pl playing in the trenches against, against a running attack. Um, so I, I think overall, especially on the defense for, for our defensive purposes, I think, I think we're gonna be all right. Uh, similar to what I said last week, I think what's what's going to be the question is how fluid, how uh, you know, how much of a well-oiled machine can our offense be, and that's kind of what that I'm going to look to see. I, I think UCLA's defense looked you know decent. I think that they weren't they weren't totally inept or anything, um, and so I think we're going to have to actually like be able to operate our offense to to you know really beat them handily. Yeah, I agree with the, a lot of what you said there. The the player that kind of stood out for me and a lot of people for UCLA was Zach Charbonnet, the running back, who uh, was a player from Michigan, I think, for two years, and then he just transferred to UCLA. Uh, so this was his first game, and then he ripped off uh, three touchdowns, over 100 yards on only six carries, so he shredded uh, the, the Rainbow Warriors. And, yeah, the rush attack was a lot better than I was planning on. They UCLA put up a lot of points like we had talked about on the podcast with 44. And so I expect them to 
fair similarly, hopefully not as prolific on offense against LSU, but yeah, I think, and even the, the odds makers are predicting like a 67 point total. So they're leaning towards a, a high scoring affair for us. And then, yeah, to echo what you said about the defense, they were uh, pretty good for UCLA forcing a lot of kind of miscues from Hawaii. Obviously Hawaii is not LSU with the, the athletes and talent that they have, but uh, they were, were not comfortable on offense. Their quarterback was making a lot of bad plays, uh, but yeah. And then back to DTR, he, he had a few overthrows, especially early in the game. And they, at the end of the game, they kind of just lean on their runs mm-hmm. and just kind of handed it off over and over to, to keep the game secure. They didn't risk too much there. Uh, so it, it, I guess it was a normal performance about what we expected. Um, but I think LSU should maybe be a little bit more concerned because it wasn't like UCLA absolutely thrashed them, but they handled them pretty well. And I think it'll be a good competition next week. Did we want to go ahead and do our like score predictions or you got any kind of thoughts, Scott? Oh, I mean, I, I definitely had thoughts because uh, UCLA. So <laughs> I thought that, yeah, I mean, uh, Charbonnet looked look good. And I, I would say I hope LSU doesn't focus too much on the passing because, uh, you know, you don't want to sell out on that because it looks like this guy. I mean, he's he's I don't know. He reminds me of like a little. I don't know if I want to say Clyde Edwards Hilaire or somebody like that. Just, you know, like a small back that's shifty and it's good. It's like, if you can't wrap him up, he's going to, he's going to break free and he's going to run like this guy did. Like you said, six carries, 106 yards. That's, that's crazy. Three TDs. And that was all before halftime. Um, But uh, you could say that, well, I mean, they had to go to the ground because this senior quarterback that they have uh, DTR, uh, he was like for the game, he was 10 for 20, 130 yards, one TD. And I'm thinking, you know what, if if that's what your senior quarterback can do against somebody like Hawaii, I don't know how to equate that for an LSU fan mindset. Maybe, I don't know. Um, let's just say let's just say that Hawaii is not starting the two best corners in college football. <laughs> right, right. I, I was trying to look up what they what they did last year on defense, but I, I doubt it's as good as what, you know, that uh, – CB one and CB two and all of college football are going to do so. But like, if, if I watched some of the game, it's like these, these guys were just out of place and they just, they didn't really, they didn't really know, didn't look like they knew how to tackle. You know what I mean? Cause this guy just broke free and ran. And uh, I don't know. I just, I don't see LSU giving up the same kind of, the same kind of touchdowns that Hawaii did. So uh, you have to think, all right, well, what's UCLA going to bring? I mean, they have a senior quarterback, but honestly, 10 for 20 against Hawaii for one TD is just not going to cut it against DBU, you know? I think, yeah, I think, I think they're in a, I think he's going to be in, a, in for a real long night. Um, you know, I, I guess best case scenario, you could always, like, we, we probably had the same, we had similar breakdowns as far as, oh man, KJ Costello is going to be in for a long night. He's going to get torched. He's not going to be able to stand Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks. We probably said that last year and then look what happened. But I think if, if everything that we've seen and heard, you know, between the rumors in camp, the, the spring game, the, um, the, you know, the, the scrimmages, everything we've heard, especially on the defensive side itself, They've ironed out the issues. We're going, we're going to get back to that, to that, that patented LSU defense that we've, you know, known for years. I, I really don't see, I, I don't think six, six rushes for 106 yards 
and three TDs happens for Charbonnet, he can have a great, he can have, he could still have a standout game, but I think he's going to need way more touches than that because I don't think we're going to, I think we, we have too many talented athletes on our defense to I either. He's not going to shred through us like that. I think it's going to take now. Now that being said, like, I think you could still, he could still have a great game and he could still rush. You know, I could see him rushing like, you know, 17 for 17 for 100 and 107 yards or something like that. But I, I he, they're going to have to earn all those yards with, with our yeah. defensive line and our linebackers. Um, of course, linebacker is where, is where maybe our, maybe one of our, our weaker spots on the defense linebackers and safety just with safety youth and linebackers kind of a, you know, a, like we talked about before uh, a question as to who, who our starting linebackers really are. But I, again, I lean back on this. I lean back on this, this, all, uh, this defensive line. I think we're going to control the line of scrimmage. I think we're going to manhandle their, um, their offensive linemen. And, and that's where, that's where your rushing attack starts is at the offensive line. Yeah. And kind of to build on that, UCLA was really unbalanced. Like they ran the ball 43 times and they passed only 22. So that's something that Durante Jones is definitely going to like key in on. And then I would look for him to like stack the box early, uh, control the run and then like put pressure on DTR to make a throw against yeah. Stingley and Ricks because uh, he was known, especially early in his career for making like bad mistakes, like throwing picks, losing fumbles. And while he didn't really do that against Hawaii, like uh, if we make him throw 35 times a game, then that opens up a lot of chances for somebody to, to make a huge play. Eli Ricks to take one to the house uh, and, and just have a big momentum killing uh, play like that. So uh, I see Durante Jones sending in at the beginning and then forcing UCLA to, to have a better attack because LSU is not going to be able just to open up holes or have holes open up on them. Like, like Hawaii did. Daniel, I think you're totally right. I look for LSU, you know, I remember, okay. So last year kind of just a, it's a, it's a good, a good exercise as far as like a preview thinking about last year compared to this year, last year, the, the challenge with us is when LSU is at its best with its DBs deep when DBU is D is the real DBU. We have such good defensive backs that we play man almost all the time. You man them up. You're one-on-one So you know, you're best good on good, best on best. And last year we had, we had a ton of trouble and, you know, they attributed to, to, uh, to the lack of communication or, you know, uh, not, not understanding matchups or whatever it is. Polini, some people just blame Polini outright for never, you know, just say it was just him, but regardless, we, you know, everybody was saying, come on, why can't we play a zone? We got to get to a zone. Come on. You got to do something. Cause we, cause we were getting shredded. Like we saw, I look for us to go back to, I, like I want to see Stingley and Ricks manned up with their guys put and have, you know, uh, and, and maybe have two high safeties or something like that to where, like you said, Daniel, then we're having, we're just, we're bringing pressure and, and really putting uh and putting, like you said, putting DTR in a lot of, in, in compromising situations. The other thing to look for, and I, I think that this is where you could see, um, we've got that void kind of of that box safety, the, the safety who can really get up in there and, and, uh, and fill the shoes of Jacoby Stevens. Look for our friend pig cage to maybe get it. That might be a chance for him to, to get some playing time. Um, the transfer from Nichols. He's, he's like that mean 
you know, almost play, play safety, almost more like a linebacker. And I could see him, you know, if, if we're, if, if we feel like we've got pass coverage pretty much handled between, um, between our, you know, maybe uh, three, like a two corners, a nickel and a, and a high safety. And we want to add a guy who can just, who can play coverage, but, but really is going to get in there and blitz or, or get in there and stop the run and, and really get in their face. I, I think that's where you might see a guy like him or maybe Sage Ryan as well. Yeah. And then if you want to look at the flip side of this uh, and look just at what, you know, Hawaii did on offense, UCLA did on defense. Um, I mean, I don't know. Hawaii's had somewhat of a history of guys being able to throw for a lot just because of the offense they run, like Colt Brennan, you know, it's just like he had the, um, you know, NCAA records for years just because of the way he did at Hawaii. But just to look at what they did against UCLA, I, I look at, you could look at the final score and think 44 to 10, well, UCLA had it in the bag. Sure. But I mean, Hawaii moved the ball. Uh, just looking at their quarterback's numbers. I mean, he, he was, uh, he had a one TD and a couple of picks, but he had for, he went for 220 yards, which is almost a hundred yards more than UCLA's quarterback did. And I, I don't know. I just, I have to think that for, for all of, you know, what you guys were saying about LSU's defense, I like to look at our offense going against UCLA's defense and just comparing what their players could be presumably to ours. And just, you know, we know who we have coming back, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, one of the best offensive lines in, in the country, uh, cause we had five, well, four starters coming back and, uh, they pretty much plug and play. I mean, they did change their, their coach in the off season, but I think it was an upgrade, uh, to Brad Davis. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like even if LSU's defense, you know, has some growing pains in this first game, I think the offense is going to destroy, uh, the Bruins defense just because, uh, just because uh, I don't know, uh, prove me wrong, I guess. I think that I think that we will be a little bit more balanced than Hawaii. I mean, you look at the the uh, Cordero; he attempted forty seven passes. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of passes. He was twenty. That's a lot of time two. too. Oh, I know. And so I think that you know, like you said, he they he threw the ball for two hundred twenty yards, and um, now and that he was you know the lion's share of their their offensive activity. So they seem to move the ball, you know, ha- halfway decent against UCLA. They just couldn't put it in the, put it in the end zone. Right. Um, they had, they had virtually no running attack. I think I look for us to, yeah. to, to establish some run. Uh, like I think that, and that's what you've seen um, in the scrimmages and the highlights and the rumors and, and just the talk from Pete's and the talk from, uh, from, you know, people, the insiders in the program is that Jake Pete's wants to, he wants to be more balanced and, you know, this is a guy who coached Christian McCaffrey at, uh, at Carolina. So he's and, and they, they've been saying that, uh, him and that he's been almost, he's been working with, uh, John Emery to watch Christian McCaffrey film, trying to, you know, build him into that kind of receiving speedy, uh, running back. So I, I look for us to actually have more of a running game than, uh, you know, the best rusher for, for, uh, Hawaii had seven carries for 20 yards, which is not very good. Um, so I look for us to, to, you know, establish, be more balanced, but still, like, I, I think you're right, Scott. I think we can, we can clearly, this is not a lockdown, um, lockdown defense. They gave up 220 yards against, uh, a, you know, a somewhat anemic, uh, right. offense. Right. So 
I, I'm I'm encouraged by by this. The you know, I, I think that for any gamblers out there, the line was LSU minus four and a half on like Thursday or Friday. With this win against uh, Hawaii, it's now LSU minus three. So it moved in your favor if you're an LSU fan. Um, I think I think we'll beat. I think we're going to beat them. I think we're going to beat them. You know, pretty soundly. I'm not going to say we're going to beat them by 40 points or something, or, you know, that we're going to, we're going to do to them what they did to Hawaii, but I think it's going to be a convincing win similar to how we pretty much, you know, we, we do pretty well in the neutral site kickoff games, especially yeah, against West what, Coast teams. That's what I was going to ask about the predictions because I've seen a lot of people, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like you see a lot of people, mostly LSU were like, our talent is just too good. We outmatch them. And then we pull away late and they're predicting like, 45, 20 or something LSU. Uh, I think I'm going to go a little bit closer. Uh, I'm going to go 30, 35, 27. So eight point win, uh, one possession game. But I think it's one of those where like LSU is kind of firmly in control and UCLA just kind of scores a few times towards the end, uh, maybe against LSU's backups when we're working in some, some reserves. Uh, so definitely a, a win for LSU uh, and against the spread as well and, and a good start to the season. What about you, Scott? Uh, I I'm thinking the same, uh, I'm thinking along the same lines as you, as far as the, uh, UCLA score, I, I want to put them at say 17. I think I'm going to put LSU at like 38 though, maybe 41. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I just, just from what I saw from the UCLA game, uh, they're not going to have that much of a, a home field advantage, you know, so to speak, the, the crowd was just, well, they were just not there. Um, and I don't know. I think that's something to think about moving forward for LSU as well. But uh, I don't think the crowd's going to be into it. Uh, I think LSU could probably take over the stadium. Like, they they were trying to give tickets away to local high school players, students, and also, like, someone from, like, reach, uh, local, you know, like, peewee leagues reached out and said, hey, are we included too? And they said, yeah, sure. And if you look at Hawaii the, game? Oh, no, this is for the LSU game. Oh, really? Okay. But if you look at the Hawaii game, you think, uh, I don't know, there there was hardly anybody there, right? It looked like – Was that – see, like – so I thought that was on purpose because I thought, like, California was just – you know, L.A. was just, just, like, locked down. Like, I thought they were doing the 50% capacity thing or something. Is that not right? No, they were leaving it open. It was just, you know, you had to – Nobody wanted to go. (laughs) Yeah, well, just from what I've read from some of the comments, and then you know, I, this this might ring true from you know people in South Louisiana, Louisiana too. It's just you know, it's just too hot to sit out there in the sun. A for you know Hawaii, like how many how many LSU fans do you think would go out and sit in Tiger Stadium in mass for you know if LSU was playing, I don't know, like North Texas or something? It's like how, like do you really think they're going to pack the stadium? Even, no matter how much excitement is behind this this team, also keep in mind it's like you have to, uh, and we'll get to this in a minute. But uh, you know, for like for the stadium's COVID protocol, you have to you know show you're vaccinated or I don't know have a PCR test. So it's like you have to go through all that just to be able to watch the game. So yeah. it's like how many people are you think are going to show up to sit in the sun and possibly wear a mask just to watch? that matchup yeah it was kind of sad seeing the stadium it was like 25 percent full maybe Uh, but yeah like you said that they were giving away the the tickets to the hawaii game and i'm sure the lsu fans are 
kind of licking their chops because they're about to turn this into a home game for LSU. Uh, and then I know people have had this date circle on their calendar for a long time, taking a big trip out to LA. Uh, see I know the a ton of people that are going. Yeah, see the Tigers play, see the sights out there. Um, the COVID stuff probably won't stop them, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, to add your, to your point, I can understand people not wanting to brave downtown LA traffic for a all afternoon game against Hawaii. Um, but LSU Saturday night, the fans will be there. Uh, probably more UCLA fans as well, but I think it's going to be 50, 50, maybe um, for, for both sides. And that takes away any home field advantage that they had, uh, but it's going to be a, a riot and looking forward to watching. Right. So, but based off of what you saw, like, <laughs> I don't see how UCLA would be a threat to LSU unless LSU just completely, you know, they were just not on top of it, not on their game. They watched the Hawaii game and thought, oh, we got these guys. You know, there's like, I, I don't see how LSU does not come out of this victorious unless they just don't take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, and that's the key to, that's the key to so many things is like, the getting the mindset right and being, you know, in the game, being in the moment. Um, that's something that coach O has talked about working on. And it's something that, I mean, you could just tell, I remember, and, and I think I said it here on the podcast last year. And I remember Daniel, we were sitting next to each other at the seat, the Mississippi state game. And just from watching, I remember we were watching them warm up and I looked at you and I said, we're going to lose this game. You remember that Daniel? Yeah. Like you can just tell. And I think that I, I, and, and Scott, you know, we, I, I sent, I sent y'all some, some pictures in the group message. I've, I spent a little bit of time at the football ops center this week there. And I saw some players walking around. I saw, you know, just the, the equipment I was dealing, I was working with the equipment managers on some stuff. And, um, there's a, there's a, there's a feeling around, there's an energy around this program right now. And maybe I'm kind of making it up, but I think there's something different from last year. I don't think this is the same team. I think we're in a better place. So I think we're going to be prepared. I think we're going to be prepared, you know, for UCLA and for the rest of the season. So I expect us. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think so. I think that it's going to be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we score a little bit less than maybe, you know, th- if this is one of our lesser scoring games of the year, because we're still trying to figure things out with max and with, uh, you know, fre- with ma- probably, probably getting a lot of playing time for freshman wide receivers like Brian Thomas and um, Chris Hilton and all, and those guys, um, yeah, I think I think 35. I, I'm high on our defense. I think 35-14 or 35-17 is a, is a uh, is a is a pretty doable score. I think we're gonna kind of shut them down. The only thing I, I do see what you're saying, Daniel, and I could I could also see it playing out that way, where basically we have like a three touchdown lead, and we're kind of switching guys in and going back and forth, and it's like every time they score, we score. So it might go a little bit higher scoring than that, and maybe it gives to like you know, a 20, uh, 40, like a 42, 24 or something like that. Um, but I, I think we, I think we win pretty comfortably. All right. So three W's from the, the podcast hopes, as long as our hearts don't get broken the first game, like Mississippi state last year, have but, we ever predicted a loss? Yeah, we, okay. We, we have to, we predicted, predicted the loss for Alabama. I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah. 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 Okay. That was just, I was just making sure. Got to keep ourselves honest. Sure, sure. I, I don't think we should predict a, a loss at UCLA, though. No. Uh, I mean, if we did, then you know we'd we'd have more problems than we have admitted previously. But I, I think LSU's in in great position, uh, honestly, because 
like they, they are just not going to have faced someone like LSU offensively or defensively. I don't think in the last year or so. So I, that's, that's why I feel like LSU has the advantage. Uh, plus they're, like you said, they're, they're, they're raring to go, you know, like they, they know that last year was not indicative of how this, this program usually operates and achieves. So I, I feel like they, hopefully they come out with a chip on their shoulder. Hopefully it lasts all the season, but you know, if it just gets them through UCLA, that's fine as well. But I feel like they, they know that last year was a dud, but not usually them and that they're going to, uh, uh, capitalize on the the momentum and their their anger from that. That's that's what I feel. Definitely. No, I think I think that I think that everybody around that program understands um, what ha- like what LSU what, what last year's season was, and I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure it is the complete opposite of what we saw on the field last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's one game from yesterday that that probably should bear repeating, and that was uh, Nebraska Illinois. Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that, was just, that was pretty sad because um, you know Brett Brett Bielema, however you say his name, he took over at Illinois, and man, they came out of the gate storming. And oh, Scott yeah. Frost at Nebraska, you know, this is he was going to be the guy that was going to rebuild this program, but wow, uh, Illinois kind of handed it to him. So I don't know what what do you think of that? Like, is uh, they they fired Pelini for these for less than these seasons? So what, what are they doing? The only thing that's saving Scott Frost is that he's their golden boy. I, I forget who it was. I was watching on, I was watching ESPN yesterday. Maybe it was, um, well, I forget who they were, who they were talking about, but somebody was like, yeah, he's the Tim Tebow of Nebraska. You know, I so say <laughs> it, it really, like, I, it's, it's really almost painful to watch. Like, it seems like they, they always, you know, they were seven, they were over seven point favorites going into this game. And they they lost like dogs. Uh, I mean, I, I, that Adrian Martinez guy has never been. I've never thought he was good. Um, I remember a couple. Not. I think the year Joe won the Heisman. I think he was one of the ones they were talking about, like maybe contending for a Heisman. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really just sad to watch. Like, and we. I don't know if you saw the um, Scott Frost like interview after the game, but he's just like so deflated, and he was like. Yeah, like I just really thought we'd play better. Like I, I thought we were—I don't know—we looked really good in practice, so I thought we were going to be better. But like he's not even there's not even like an—he ex- doesn't even have like any explanation anymore. It's just like I thought we'd play better. Yeah, their season was pretty much over uh, in week zero as it started. So sorry to all the Husker fans out there, which there are many. Um, kind of sad departure from the late '90s, early 2000s strength, but maybe they'll be back someday. Uh, what uh, what games are y'all looking forward to this upcoming Saturday besides LSU? And not just Saturday, but they got games all weekend, really. All weekend, yeah. It's going to be a great weekend. I mean, you can't you can't think about LSU's game without thinking about the Clemson-Georgia game. That's like the marquee game. I'm sure we'll be flipping back between them because they, they kick off at the same time, 7.30, I think. Um, they actually they go, about- they go one, hour, one hour early. So they're at 6.30 oh, yeah. we're at 7.30. So you'll get an hour of that when you have to kind of alternate back and forth. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's I'm Central times at least. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I, I want to see. I, I'm. I'm. I think Georgia. I've got Georgia winning the game. I, I think that they're. Um, ooh, I, ooh, I like ooh, where they're ooh. at. 
Yeah, exactly. Scott, you know, I know Scott's got Georgia winning the game. I would love to um, see Georgia win. I just, I, it's like uh, Lucy pulling the football from Charlie Brown. I can never, I can never fully like invest because, because of that. It's like, you, yeah, every year you think it's your year as a Georgia fan, but then, and it doesn't happen. Well, I'd hey, if, it, if, if any year is Georgia's year, this is, this is their year to do it because you've got a Florida who I think is going to be down. I think Florida, I think everybody's saying that Florida's, you know, um, they're going to really compete for the East. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't buy Henry Jones at all. And, and I think they've lost a lot of talent. And then you look at that roster that Georgia has across both sides of the ball. They've got a ton of talent. The only thing to watch is that their star, um, like I think their center and their tight end will they're be hurt. unavailable for that game. Yeah. They're hurt. They're hurt. Yeah. But, uh, but even still like, you know, that that's what we, and we've talked about it from, from years on, but like, the depth is how you win at this game and Georgia has depth, you know, like they have people who can, I remember Daniel, you remember Paris Johnson? Oh yeah. Paris? Boy. Yeah. Like, or no, no, not, no, not Paris Johnson. He's with Ohio state. It's uh, Van Pran. Yeah. Cedric um, Van Pran. He's going to be, yeah, he's going to get the start uh, this weekend against Clemson at center. And he was a guy who, who, you know, if you follow recruiting, you remember his name from like two years ago because LSU was somebody in the running for him and Georgia's the one who pulled him out. So, you know, I think that they, I think they've still got the depth to do it. I, I'm not as I, I, I'm not buying DJ Uyunglele right now. I think that um, I think that he's gonna, I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but I don't think he's I don't think he's capable of doing what Trevor did right off the bat with some of his first starts. So. Um, I like the dogs. Yeah. And then like, like we had said, games are really all weekend. So Thursday, there's a whole slate of games kicking it off. I think the, the marquee one, Ohio state takes on Minnesota uh, at night. So that will be a nice little, little teaser. And then Friday, we got North Carolina at Virginia tech, ECC battle. Good to see Heisman hopeful Sam Howell uh, take the field. Yeah. And then Saturday, uh, I'm kind of sad because we, I mentioned last week, Oklahoma is supposed to be playing at Tulane in New Orleans as the like, kickoff game, 11 a.m. But uh, I guess all that's up in the air right now with the hurricane stuff, whether it's actually going to happen or not, and they get moved, which would be a, a sort of tragedy for the Greenway since this is their like event of the decade, pretty much. <laughs> right. Um, Millennia. But yeah, so the, the first big game. Oh yeah. On, on Saturday, we got Alabama, Miami at two 30. That'll be fun. Although watch for Alabama to pull away. You may want to flip over to uh, UL versus Texas. I'm kind of excited about that one. Ooh, too. That's going to be a good to one. See yeah. If, see if Texas, um, cause they lost to, well, last year UL topped Iowa state uh, week one and then like a shocker there. So if they can do two big 12 teams in, in two years, that's like huge for the Cajuns um, before the, the big night games, including us. So yeah. Oh, and then we got more games on Sunday and, and Monday as well. Notre Dame plays Sunday against Florida state. And then Monday, Ole Miss versus Louisville. So five days in a row of college football. So uh, get your couches ready. I will yeah. say just, just for, for avid talking Tigs fans, you'll remember um, we talked to friend of the show, Stuart Hanna about some of his, you know, some of his players that he's, that he's uh, coached. And one of the standouts from this past like 2020 season was Logan Diggs who went on to play at Notre Dame. I actually just talked to Stuart yesterday and, and the word on the street is that, um, Diggs is, is, is really, really flying up the, up the depth chart at the running back position. And he, he 
it will easily compete for some touches this year. So if you see a guy uh, named Diggs streaking across the field, you know, you can, you can, you can say you heard it here first. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, I, I don't know. That's, that's guy. We've covered a lot already so far uh, just with LSU and just all the, the, uh, the season starting a lot of good games. I do think that Alabama and the Miami game, uh, like you can, you can try and build up as much as you want, but I just, I, I just don't see it being competitive, even though Alabama is kind of transitioning from, uh, you know, who they had like two Heisman hopefuls, uh, and then they both leave in the off season. So I, I don't know. I think Alabama is just kind of as much as you want to say they're, you know, it's, it's unsure where they're going to be. It's like, it's Nick Saban coach team. So they're, they're always going to be no less than like, you know, second or third place, at least in the division. Uh, so you can't count them out ever. I just don't see that Miami has enough to, to even combat that, but uh, definitely they would need an absolutely heroic performance from dear King. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, who is, you know, starting over in Miami cause he left Houston. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think though that that's that's the type of quarterback that usually gives Nick Saban's teams trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like Manziel. Yeah. Or um, who was it when when Ohio State beat them in the playoffs? Uh, Barrett. Um, was it JT no, Barrett? Uh, no, no, it was uh, it was Cardell Jones because JT Barrett went down. That's right. That's right. They went through two of their backups. Just yeah, yeah. Go figure. Uh, so. Having said all that, now we can look at, you know, what else you, you know, we, we know we have this game going forward, but, you know, there's always the, the sidebar stuff. And there was some news that came out of actually Oklahoma this week that uh, one of their running backs, one of the guys that they thought was going to add depth for them this year, Trey Bradford, has, <laughs> has re-entered the transfer portal. I guess he's, he's looking to leave Oklahoma and all signs are kind of pointing to LSU. So uh, I don't know, as an LSU fan, you think, okay, cool. That, that gives us even more depth. We already had the guy. We know what he's capable of, but I don't know. It, when I first saw that, I thought, yeah, we'd love to have him. That would give us even more depth. And, you know, because the two guys that we have, there's, there's high expectations, but just what, what happened last year, it's like you just, you just don't know. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, are they going to break through and uh, live up to the – to the, I guess, the expectations that we have when, when they recruited him, or is it just going to be, you know, some guys that are kind of just uh, serviceable? So it's like, would Trey Bradford add something new to the mix? I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Because I, I, I want to look at it positively, but I also think, you know, is this going to be like another Eric Gilbert situation where the guy left and now he wants to come back and it's like, what, what's going on here? So whoever wants to take it, take it first. Uh, I mean, I, I can say it. I, I don't really see him coming back. And well, one, I don't see him coming back. And if he does, then I don't oh. see him having much success uh, just because the running back room is already so crowded and in limited playing time last year, he had limited success where he had a few like kind of bright moments. I think he had a, a nice touchdown against Florida maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, yeah, he wasn't utilized much and I don't see him, elevating his game above four running backs that we already have is kind of simple as that. The well, four running backs plus Travante citizen coming in plus maybe Le'Veon Moss, who's decommitted from Alabama. So yeah, it's going to be crowded for him. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that like he can't leave Oklahoma right now to play and play for another team this year. 
Well, here's the thing. He can if he has participated in, I think, 14 or less what they call activities. It's still undetermined if it, that means, you know, just uh, workouts or like organized team activities or whatever. But as long as he didn't participate in more than 14, he can go back to LSU and be eligible immediately. But he can't, he can't go, he can't have his pick of the litter. Like he can't enter the transfer portal and, and just like take all the offers like, like everybody else, like, like you can before that certain date. No, well, no, he, he could only go back to LSU. He and only go back to LSU. Yeah. Like if you wanted to go somewhere else besides LSU, he could not play immediately. Yeah. He'd have to sit. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's weird to me. I, I don't think, um, I don't see him coming back, but you never know, but I, I kind of agree with you, Daniel. I think that, I think that he'd have some, some trouble. The only way that I could see him, well, I don't know, you know, he was brought in as a, uh, as a guy who was supposed to kind of give dimension to the passing attack from the running back position. Um, and you know, he's, I think he's, he's better as a, as a pass catcher almost than he is as like a true you know, running back. So I, I might, maybe you can see him, you know, working in, in that way. But, but then again, you're kind of like, well, why is he not having success at Oklahoma when like, that's what they do, you know? Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to count on Trey Bradford, you know, making it back to Death Valley anytime soon. Right. You got to wonder why did he leave Oklahoma? Cause he, I, I imagine he left LSU because he thought, you know, and I'm not going to be at the top of the depth chart, but he goes to Oklahoma and he's, he realized the same thing. So now he wants to come back because he saw, a lot of freshmen getting carries in these last couple of scrimmages. I, I don't know. It just, who knows where the, where the guy's mind's at, but I guess. It, I think this is a, just, a, I think it's just a, it's just a factor of, of this, tra- of the transfer portal culture is like kind of that grass is always greener mentality. of like, Oh man, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not having success at LSU. I'm not, I made the wrong decision. It's just not working out, man. Oklahoma, man, that's where I need to be. Then you go to Oklahoma and you realize, well, maybe, maybe that's not, maybe it actually wasn't that much better. You know, maybe there's something I need to change about my game, or maybe it's just that like, I'm a, I'm a sophomore and I'm having trouble and I just need to, you know, wait it out. Um, Cause he was a true freshman last year. So, right. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was a true yeah. freshman. Yeah. Or who knows? So, maybe he didn't fit in with the, you know, just, it's a chemistry thing too. Who knows? Yeah. I, I, I do think that that's, you know, that's kind of, um, that's kind of one of the negatives about the transfer portal is like you get, you get 18 year olds, 19 year olds kind of just making decisions about, Oh, you know what? This is not working out. I'm going to, I'm going to bail. Whereas you couldn't have done that, you know, years ago. And who knows, maybe if Trey Bradford was kind of almost forced to stay at LSU by the time he's a, he's a senior, he might kind of be like a Nick Brissett type who, who really comes into his own. Right. Well, um, I guess we'll see how that plays out. I, like I said, I don't know if the LSU quote unquote needs him, but I mean, you can always use running back depth, right? It was just, well, I don't know. I guess it, for me, like the, the program knows why he left. Hopefully. I don't know. Maybe they know why he left deep down, but like, if he comes back, like what's going to change from why he left? That's, that's the only thing I'm concerned about. If it was, if he didn't think he was going to play much and now he thinks he can, you know, good for him. He has to earn it, though. I mean, we're not going to just give it to him. But I, I don't I know. Think I the just... main, 
for me, the main like positive in him coming back is that they, they, the NCAA is not, has not updated the rules, these transfer portal rules to where like, so it, it, you know, just like it, it makes sense that if you're if you're gonna have this transfer portal thing, then when somebody leaves your school, you should get their scholarship back, right? Like, and you should be able to go out and get okay. Like, let's say let's say Trey Por- uh, Trey Palmer, I mean not Trey Palmer, Trey Bradford leaves, and then um, you know Jack J- John Doe wants to come to LSU. Well, I can take Trey Palmer's scholarship, which like not his physical scholarship, but what's on paper, my eight, under under my eighty five allowed. I can take that one, which I no longer have or which I'm no, the guy's no longer on campus. And I can say, okay, now you're counted as one of my scholarship athletes, but that's not how it works now. Like if you have, uh, you know, 85 athletes and five people transfer out of your school, you, you just, they just go away. You don't get to use that. You don't get to go out in the transfer market and try and find five more people to take those spots. So for me, and I'm thinking about it from LSU's perspective, it's like, well, we used it. We used a, a, a scholarship spot on this guy I'd be glad let's if he wants to come back and like kind of we kind of get some use out of that spot because if not it's kind of just wasted yeah I mean in in the era of you know gray shirting and all that it's like you you definitely want to have all your spots taken spoken for and used and you know you don't want to have just someone waiting in the wings either Mm -hmm. uh you just I don't know it's just such a crappy thing to do to someone to like Accept their accept their commitment and then just ask them to gray shirt. So I, I don't know. I hope maybe that's just a situation where LSU can bring someone on board that they originally wanted to, but maybe had to gray shirt for whatever reason. Anyway, um, I, I think LSU is in a good position moving forward. Um, I think we've all put our put our uh, our, our score predictions out there and. I don't know. I would say it's a night game at UCLA. You would think, you know, like if, if the roles were reversed, looking at UCLA coming to Baton Rouge, I don't know. Um, we're not going to talk about this weekend upcoming, obviously, because I don't know, there's a hurricane and that, that kind of just creates a different scenario. But, you know, all things being equal, if, if UCLA was coming to LSU for a 830 night game, you got to think that that stadium's packed, you know? Like oh, yeah. COVID, COVID rules are not. And I wanted to ask Daniel about this later, but, I mean, if, if he can weave that into the, to his answer, that's fine, too. But, I mean, it's like we're going to be at UCLA on uh, 8.30 on a Saturday. So if you looked at the Hawaii game, there was nobody there. Uh, I think the official count was like 32,000 out of a, a max of like 80-something. But just it, I don't know if they're just basing that on tickets sold, but there was not 32,000 people in the stands. They were trying to give tickets away to high school football teams, to, uh, you know, peewee league teams, who anybody that they could just to fill the stands. And it was just it was sad. Uh, plenty of pictures out there to show it. But I just I, I don't know. That's not going to be an issue for them. I, I would hope it would be for, you know, at LSU and Tiger Stadium, but that's not going to be an issue for us. So I. I, I don't know. What what do you guys think? I, I I don't know. Do you do you guys think that um I mean the attendance thing, yeah, I think it'll be fine next week for the UCLA game. Like plenty of people are heading out. As far as the, the home games for the future, uh I received my season tickets this week, so I was happy about that. Um they came in the mail. I was a little bit worried that they were gonna pull some 
nonsense at the very end and then say like, Oh, you only get half of them or you only get to go to these games. Uh, but no, they all arrived. And, uh, from the general demeanor, I can assess people are excited to go to the games, even with the, um, the restrictions they had just put in place where you're supposed to show your, uh, either proof of vaccination or the proof of the negative test. And, uh, there was some LSU sports radio I was listening to the other day where the, the host was like, he was saying that people are willing to do the negative test thing, even if they don't have the vaccine and just like get it over with. It's not like that expensive or whatever. Um, or you can get the vaccine for free, you know, and then just go. Uh, so I think the, the big test will be the first McNeese game at home next Saturday. I expect it to be full, especially since they don't seem to have any tailgating restrictions at this point. So people will be out and about having fun. Hopefully I will be at least, and they'll, they'll fill the stadium and we'll have a good time. They probably won't be there at the end, but at least till halftime, I would say. And then the SEC games for sure, as long as LSU's football team isn't a train wreck by that point. So uh, I think the general sentiment is high and they're looking for uh, a market improvement all around from last year, kind of both on and off the field. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, they got it. They got to have an improvement off the field as well. Last year, I stopped going to games because I was like, this is just, it's just not worth it. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't, that was not LSU football. It wasn't LSU football on the field. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't LSU football off the field. I mean, with the band, they didn't even let the band play. Remember that? They would just, they would just like play like the the recordings. Yeah. Well, they would do the pregame performance, but they would do it from the stands, like in their little section. They don't have the the walkout where they're kind of just like yeah. marching with the beat and then they're going to each corner uh, and each corner is like cheering with them and stuff. And that's what really what kind of gets you into it. You're, you're hyped up and ready to go. The atmosphere, uh, it just wasn't quite there, unfortunately. No, there was no atmosphere. So yeah, they better, you know, I, I think it's going to be back and, and they better let it, let it keep going. Right. So what do you guys, well, I guess I have a, a two pronged question here. What do you think like the student, um, the student presence will be because, you know, they're all just coming back to, to campus now. Um, they're, they're pretty much under the same, uh, I, I don't want to say restrictions, but the same expectations as the, you know, the fan, they're the regular fans. Uh, but I think they have to be mostly vaccinated to get on campus. But what do you think the student presence is going to be? But also like, you know, tailgating, because that's, that's part of the whole LSU experience. I've heard that the, the tailgating is going to be, pretty much the same it's just inside the stadium that's where they're going to be super restrictive but uh, i don't know do you do you guys have any opinions on like the student presence and or the the tailgating personally i think it may not be the the best it's ever been but i kind of have a feeling that it's going to be very good um mm-hmm. for the student turnout uh just because like last year like what tommy mentioned there wasn't that much incentive to go and so especially like the, the freshmen last year, they might may not have even experienced the real kind of game day environment for the first time. And I think these people are going to be chomping at the bit to get that. Um, and so everybody's going to be battling for those tickets and it, it'll definitely, and then the whole rest of the crowd kind of feeds off the student section a little bit. So it, it should drum up that uh, environment as well. So um, unless something goes wrong, which is always a possibility, but I think we'll be good to go for the start of the season. Right on. Uh, and really quickly, it's completely LSU unrelated, but uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, the Saints and the LSU, uh, you know, they're like 60 miles, 60 minutes apart, basically. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's the Drew Brees, 
it's the Drew Brees era that closed last year, and now it's beginning a different era, which uh, it looks like uh, Jameis Winston's going to start. Just really quickly from from both of you, uh, I don't know. Do you guys expect the Saints to have some sort of continuation of what they used to have, or is this going to be like a completely different Saints team than what we're used to seeing? Uh, Saints, I think, are going to be down this year. I think they missed the playoffs, um, maybe 8-8 eight and eight or 9-6 and six record, which is sad because they've been good the past few years. They were in that kind of win-now mode for a little bit, and they lost in three straight seasons of heartbreaking losses in the playoffs. And uh, I think we're going to be closer to the 2000, like, 14 to 17 run of like seven and nine seasons this year, which is too bad, but maybe Jameis will take us to the promised land with a, a rejuvenated career. Yeah, maybe Tommy, any, uh, any thoughts on that or no? I mean, I think that, uh, I think the key really to, to the same success is going to be Alvin Kamara. I think they're going to play through him. And if, if he stays healthy and is as electric as normal, I think you can have a really good season and, and, um, you know, Jameis has, has thrown, has, has shown, I watched one of the preseason games and he's, he's been, he was throwing some nice balls. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think it kind of all rests on Alvin Kamara, to be honest, like if he's healthy and he's, and he's, you know, playing to the best, his, to the best visibility, then, um, you know, I think we can definitely compete. The bucks are going to be tough though, defending Super Bowl champions, right? Like it's not going to be, um, I don't think we're in the, the, NFC South that we used to be in where it was kind of just the saints and everybody else. Right. But I would say this, uh, I mean, the saints beat them uh, last year twice and then you yeah. know, the still went on to just <laughs> win the super bowl. You know, Tom Brady just willed that to happen basically. So I, I agree with Daniel that the saints will be down in the fact that they're not going to have drew Brees and they're not going to have just that normal machine like function that they used to. Also, it's like, we don't, Michael Thomas is kind of like a, an X factor. We don't know if he's going to be like old Michael Thomas or if he's just going to be kind of like mitigated Michael Thomas like last year. I, I, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But um, I, I feel like with Jameis Winston, the Saints can definitely chuck it down the field a lot better than they did with Drew Brees in the last few years. So it's like all they need is that that one that one open receiver, and you know, it's like they can they can get those plays that that were lacking. You know, he's not going to be as accurate as Drew Brees was, you know, in his prime, but maybe he doesn't have to be, <laughs> you know, I guess that yeah. remains the theme. Uh, but um, they were evacuated as well. I think they're in Houston or Dallas or whatever. So, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have some time to, to work that out. And hopefully, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like in 2006, you know, when that, when that, when Katrina hit, it's like, all the good years from the saints program, all the best years, I should say there were some good years, but all the best years of the saints program were, were after 2006, um, you know, after, after Katrina. So I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe this, um, this, this Ida is going to be some sort of uh, transitional transitional season as well. Who knows? Uh, wish all the best for them though. And all the, uh, the best to it's everyone in Louisiana. I hope you're, you're hunkered down or you got somewhere safe. Glad our two, uh, my two colleagues from Talking Tigs are. Uh, so we'll have some, uh, some, some. Uh, well, I guess we'll have some, uh, some information for you next week after Ida hits, which should be tonight as we're recording. But uh, hopefully everyone stays safe and they can uh, join us next week for another great edition of Talking Tigs. So until then, 
unless you guys had some some final thoughts that you wanted to put out there. No. Um, only one final thought. You know, we're we're going into the to the new season. We finished week zero, going into week one. If you're enjoying the podcast, if, if you're um, you know liking what you're hearing and enjoying kind of like the weekly breakdowns. I think all of us would really appreciate it if you, you know, share the podcast with your friends, kind of tell your friends about it, tell, tell like-minded LSU fans who kind of wanted, who want to, you know, get more breakdowns on, on the season and everything, share the podcast with us so we can grow a little bit. Cause this is our, this is our prime time as far as uh, content goes. So, you know, share the podcast and have a good week. Yeah. And I, I agree. We're not pegged to football, but this is the main attraction and so with kind of the football season starting, so does kind of the quote unquote podcast season. So mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, giving our best for y'all and hope you enjoy it. And like Tommy said, if you do, please share it. And uh, we'll be looking forward to another great season of LSU football. Amen to all that. I just have to, you know, back you up, you guys, on everything that you were saying. And and just to, for the for those that are listening, we do have one championship season under our belt, so you can definitely trust what, what we're saying. Uh, that was probably our earliest and best success was just hopping on board right before LSU won that big title. So uh, we were we've been there with you the whole time. So stay with us, and uh, this week definitely stay safe. Uh, And then next week, stay tuned because we'll have it all for you next time. Uh, So we will talk to you again next week on Talking Tips.